Today on Abounding Grace, we'll listen into the final words of David as he helps to prepare his son to take over the leadership as king. This is amazing grace. Success in life is very often measured by the wrong standards. As it's been well said, whatever a man does in life without God, he must fail miserably or succeed more miserably. So we don't want to make that mistake. Great to be with you today. We're just beginning a study in 1 Kings here on Abounding Grace. Before David goes to be with the Lord, he passes on some valuable wisdom to his son Solomon. David, like any father, wants his son to be successful, but the right kind of success. Let's see what he has to say as we turn together to 1 Kings chapter 2. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Chapter 2, where we come to the final, final words of King David. As we've seen before, the final words of, of a person are very important because at the end of your life, things that mattered when you were younger just don't matter anymore. You're not worried or you're not anxious over the mortgage or over your career. Instead, when you are speaking your last words, eternity is in view. And, and it shouldn't just be with our last words that eternity would always be before us. But for sure, in those final words, we find David looking forward as he's on his deathbed, talking to his son, giving Solomon the instruction that he needs to carry on as the next king, as he's anointed. And even in this scene, as loving and caring and powerful, dramatic, truly if this was a movie, this would be a very dramatic scene, a turning point in the movie, there are still those in the shadows wanting to undermine King David. And there's still those in the shadows that want to take advantage of this situation for their own purposes. For the last 40 years, God has used David to unify the kingdom, to bring about God's will, defeating the enemies, and preparing to build the temple, a place of worship. And Solomon, as he takes over for his dad, would do well to follow his godly and practical advice. So notice, verse 1, chapter 2. Then the days of David drew near that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. That the Lord may fulfill his word which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, he said, You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. 
Understand something about the difference between David and Solomon. David was a rugged outdoor warrior type of man. He was a fighter. He was the kind of man that naturally inspired leadership where when those were discouraged and distressed and in great debt were looking for someone to follow, they went out into the caves, into the wilderness to find David and submit themselves to him. Solomon, on the other hand, grew up in luxury. (laughs) He grew up with very little problems, very little difficulties. The only way that I could think of it in terms of maybe relating it today would be the difference between, you know, a, a mom and dad that started a business and worked their hearts out and poured their heart and soul into it and, and were up 24 hours, sometimes three or four days a week, and just really doing what it took to make this business successful. And as the business became successful and it was time to transition to their son, their son didn't quite experience the same life that his parents did. Not that he didn't care and not that he wouldn't be able to take over, but he experienced a different life. He didn't put all in all the hard hours of toil and difficulty. One commentator referred to Solomon as a softy, or what we would call today perhaps a mama's boy, who didn't really have the upbringing that David did. And that will help to explain a little bit of the words that Solomon will be hearing from his dad. Like the words here, hey, prove yourself to be a man. Make sure that you are leading the kingdom in how God created you as a man. And it makes sense that his dad would have these strong words. Stay close to God. Be obedient. Keep the statutes. Obey God's commands and his judgments. Study the word and obey God, which is good advice. It's good advice for any parent here today, any grandparent, any great-grandparent, to open up 1 Kings chapter 2 and, and charge your kids and your grandkids, your great-grandkids, to follow the Lord, especially in the days in which we live, because it takes real strength and commitment to walk in the way of the Lord. Because when I choose to follow God, I'm choosing to go against the current of this world. I'm choosing what Jesus said to take the narrow way, not the wide way that seems everybody's going the wide way. There's such pressure to join the crowd. The current of the world and the culture is very strong. Have you noticed? I wonder how often you succumb to it, even in just little ways. Even just little ways. Ways that you're, you're not in sin at all. You're not in compromise at all. You're just watching some football team on TV. I don't know what team you would watch, but some team playing on TV, and there you are, and you don't get to the, to the remote quick enough, and you watch, the, you watch the commercials. And there it is. The new iPhone is out. Now, while you're watching football, you didn't care about your phone. It's one of those flip phones with no antenna. (laughs) Missing three buttons. If you text, you've got to press a button. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun-dun. You know, you've gotten used to it. But that that commercial made it look so easy. And you don't care. iPhone, smartphone, it doesn't matter to you. Anything but this flip phone that doesn't work anymore and the battery falls out. You just succumb to the current of the world. The current of the world... Well, one of them, if we were doing a Bible study just on 
the worldview that we live in today, one of them is to make you dissatisfied where you are and with what you have. You didn't want to be dissatisfied. That wasn't your motive in turning on the television and watching a football game. You had no desire to go along with the way the world is, to have to get everything new and upgrade. and had to, That wasn't your heart. But the current is so strong. And given the right time and the right temptation and the right circumstance in your life and mine, hey, we'll succumb to the current of this world, both small little things like commercials and even larger things about seeking satisfaction outside of your marriage or lying or gossiping. The current of the world is strong. The whole world is under the sway of the evil one, the Bible says. It's wrapped up in darkness and increasing more and more. Men, really the natural man, the worldly man, does not admire the man or the woman that seeks after God. They won't be writing stories about you. They, they won't be elevating you. Although, if you just read recently, they just had an article on Tim Tebow at one of his baseball games. He laid hands on a guy that had a seizure, and by the time he was done praying, the seizure was over. <laughs> so I guess sometimes they write articles and gave credit to God and this man of God, but that doesn't happen very often, especially in the current of our society in the last, with the next 27 days. The articles that are going to be posted are going to be just crazy. I hope in the last, I don't know, week, two, month, that you have asked God to show mercy on our country, man. <laughs> that you've just asked God to show mercy on our family and what's happening. To go against the current. You know, sometimes you have to choose. When, if you were to choose to, to take this advice from uh, King David... Uh, just like he's given it to his son, if you were to choose that. Sometimes you, you have to go against the popular current of the church world. The church world. What's the church world into? What's the latest and the greatest? What are your Christian friends? Sometimes you, you have to, when, when, you, when you take this, this bold stand to walk with the Lord and to go against the current of the world, maybe the current of the church world, sometimes you even are cha challenged to go against the current of your Christian friends. And make a choice. Well, I follow my Christian friends and when they're compromising and doing whatever they're doing so I can keep my friends? Or will I choose to follow the Lord? And there's a lot of pressure. It's going to be a lot of pressure for Solomon because not only does he need to be a man of God, but he's also going to be a politician. David wasn't much of a politician. Solomon will be. And then every successive king, as we'll see. If I'm going to walk after the Spirit, I have to realize that I'm going to receive the ridicule of the world. Jesus taught us that in our Bible study this last weekend. If the world hates you, hated me before it hated you, jot it down in Matthew chapter 5. I'll just read it to you from the New Living Translation in verse 11. Jesus said this, God blesses you when you're mocked and persecuted and lied about because you're my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted too. The Bible says that those that desire, even the desire to live a godly life will suffer persecution. Just the desire, let alone the obedience. And it takes a real man and a real woman to stand up against the reproach of the world. When you choose to walk in the ways of the Lord, you'll be called a fool. You'll be called all sorts of names. Your sanity might even be questioned. 
I remember in the early days as a new believer, the people that I worked with, uh, they, they, and even my mom thought I was in a cult. Are you in some cult? I said, why do you say that? Because I read the Bible? Because my life has changed? Because I'm not partying with you anymore? I mean, every one of them you know, along the way. One guy was so mad at me, he followed me in a car, and he knocked my Bible out of my hands. He's lucky I was saved, man. <laughs> Calling me a preacher boy or whatever name he called me back then. It's going to happen in very real ways. And David, at the, the last words he shares with his son, prove yourself a man. He, he's not, this isn't this machismo, be a man. This is prove yourself to be a man of God. Stand strong. Keep the charge of the Lord. Walk in his ways. The, the idea behind the phrase walk throughout the scriptures is steady progress. The manner of your life. It's going to go step after step. Day after day, year after year, keep his statutes and commandments. That, that means you need to know them. Keep his commands. Know what's written in the law. Why? Verse 4, so the Lord might fulfill his word. And there'll be a godly man on the throne of Israel. Verse 5, moreover, you know also that Joab, the son of Zariah, you know what he did to me and what he did to the two commanders of the army of Israel, to Abner, the son of Ner and Amasa, uh, the son of Je Jether, whom he killed, and he shed the blood of war in peacetime and put the blood of war on his belt that was around his waist and on his sandals that were on his feet. Therefore, do according to your wisdom and do not let his gray hair go down to the grave in peace. So with Joab, do according to your wisdom, he tells Solomon. Verse 7, but show kindness to the sons of Barzillai, the Gileadite, and let them be among those who eat at your table. For so they came to me when I fled from Absalom, your brother. So Barzillai, you be kind to him. Joab, do according to your wisdom. Barzillai, be kind to him. And then Shimei. You guys remember Shimei. Verse 8. See that you have with you Shimei, the son of Gera, a Benjamite from Bahurim, Bahurim, who cursed me with a malicious curse in the day when I went to Manahem. Remember how David responded to that curse in the rock throwing? He says, maybe God sent him. God's going to use this. I don't like it, but God's going to use it. Maybe he's a messenger of God to show me something about myself. Now notice what he says here. Uh, he came down to meet me in the Jordan. This is the middle of verse 8. And I swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. Now, therefore, do not hold him guiltless, for you're a wise man and know what you ought to do to him, but bring his gray hair down to the grave with blood. <laughs> so David says, I promise not to kill him, but I didn't say anything about you. And take care of him. And, and it's, an, it's, it's interesting that David was gracious with these men himself, but for his son Solomon, he said, you watch out for them. Watch out for Joab. You watch out for Shimei. Why? Well, I believe David recognizes how difficult these men were, are, and potentially will be with Solomon, who is very different than David. A different makeup, a different type of response will be needed from Solomon. Solomon's not the warrior king. He's not a fighter, and such would be no match for their sinful cunning and their manipulations. And David says, you watch out for those guys. You watch out for them. And on occasion, it's necessary that we say the same thing. Verse 10. So David rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. The period that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron. 
And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years. And Solomon sat on the throne of his father, David, and his kingdom was firmly established. A quick review of David's reign, you know, it was filled with ups and downs. His life, much like our lives, saw so much of the faithfulness of God placed upon the backdrop of his unfaithfulness. Because David made so many great decisions, and he also made some really bad decisions. And yet through the ups and downs was the steady, constant current of God's faithfulness. Just like your life. As we assess our lives, you might be at a stage You know, there are just different stages where we get to that place in our lives where we start looking back and thinking about what we could have done better or what we think we did well and where God blessed, where he did. If you're in that stage, you know, you you start to assess our lives. You might see that people problems are some of the predominant things that show up in our lives and fill our time, whether it's issues in our family, whether it's issues with our neighbors, whether it's issues with our friends or our strangers, Uh, things going on at work. You know, sin has so damaged relationships that much of the pain we face is related to our relationships with others or lack thereof. And David certainly uh, saw his issues related to his people relationships. And the greatest sins that he committed, at least that's recorded for us, had everything to do with how he dealt with people or how people dealt with him. And for 40 years, he was up and down and, and yet, he finished well. He finished well. The prayer for all of us to finish well. And I like at the end of verse 12, his kingdom was firmly established. That wasn't something that David did on his own. God firmly established his kingdom and firmly transferred power to his chosen king, Solomon. Now, in the Old Testament times, when you look at David... Notice how he's described when he dies. It says, so David rested with his fathers and was buried. You know, when you read through the Old Testament, there's not a lot of teaching on the resurrection. There's not a lot of insight on the hope of the resurrection. When you find death described in the Old Testament, it's usually something like rested with his fathers. You see that phrase. But when we're speaking from the new covenant, the new covenant is absent from the body, what? present with the Lord immediately. There's a hope of that heavenly presence and there's that hope of the resurrection that we have in Jesus Christ. Today, we have that glorious assurance that the last breath that we take on earth as believers is followed by the first breath or the, the first instance of being in the presence of the Lord. And those that have died in Christ before us are in the presence of the Lord right now. Even as we miss them so terribly, we have the hope of reuniting with them soon. It's a glorious hope to have, to know that you and I can have an eternal life in Jesus Christ. Not just our present forgiveness of sins, which is great as that is, the removal of sin and guilt and replace our old nature with a new nature and the power to live a godly, righteous life that we don't have to try to live godly. We can live godly by the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. That we don't have to cower behind our own inadequacies and our own weaknesses. And we don't have to beat ourselves up for the weakness of our flesh and the failures of our mouths and the the difficulties of living in a sin-soaked world when the Bible says that we're new creations in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There's victory available to us now as I'm speaking. Victory over fear and victory over anxiety and victory over 
just fleshliness, all of the works of the flesh. And yet on top of that, we're also given a heavenly hope, an eternity with our creator God, that when you do and when I and when you come to the place of death, that you can just know how exciting it's going to be to see the Lord, how exciting it's going to be to have all his promises fulfilled in, in an instant, how exciting it's going to be, the Bible promises, that we're going to have a new body, just in a very practical way, all the aches and the pains and all the doctor visits and all the co-pays and all the prescriptions and all the replacement parts and all the baldness and whatever it might be will be replaced in an instant because God promised you a new body. Is this anybody excited about that? I don't know if that's something that we even think about too much because the weight of the world presses on down upon us. And some of you have a doctor's appointment this week and some of you are feeling the bottom of your back because you've been crushed. Your back was crushed and now you have nothing but back pain for the last six years. And the world has its way of pressing in against us and clouding. Even something really small can cloud our view of eternity. And while in the Old Testament we read of David resting with his fathers, in the New Testament we have that much more fulfilled to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. Death is not easy. The Bible says it's an enemy, and it's painful, and it hurts. And yet, with hope, we're able to endure and live for Him. That's Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. And if you'd like to hear this message again, go online to calvaryaurora.org and search for 1 Kings 2. Ed, in today's lesson, David is on his deathbed. And unless the rapture occurs in our lifetime, that's something we'll all go through. Would you talk for a minute about what happens the moment a believer dies? Where do they go? Now, I know, Larry, uh, that's a hard question to ask. And it's an easy question to answer, but it's a hard question to ask because we, we happen to live in a culture that loves to talk about life, but doesn't really want to talk about death very much. We don't have so much a strong theology of suffering, of illness, and of death. But the Bible speaks much about life and death, and the reality of death is true, all of us. Unless the rapture occurs, all of us are going to face our last breath. So what exactly happens to a person uh, after they breathe their last breath? Well, I believe the Bible teaches that your last breath on earth in a millisecond of time will lead to your first breath in the presence of God. The Bible puts it this way, uh, for we walk by faith. This is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. We walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So a believer enters in directly to the presence of the Lord in an instant. The old carcass body shell that was suited to be used on earth now that it's no longer suitable to be used. The spirit and the soul is released uh, from that body, leaving that body behind and going into the presence of the Lord. You're absent from the body, present with the Lord. There's always uh, debate on the timing of the new bodies, uh, but let's just agree on what we do know. Um, aside from the timing, you will receive a new body. It will be perfectly suited for the presence of God for all of eternity. All the aches, the pains, uh, all of the difficulties uh, cease in that moment. And I do look forward, let me just say, 
I look forward, Larry, uh, to being absent from this body and present with the Lord, reunited with my loved ones that have gone before me, my mom, my dad, uh, my relatives, and of course, my boy, Eddie. I cannot wait to be reunited with him. Uh, But until then, until we all breathe our last breath, we're to do business until he comes and be faithful in every circumstance. Great question. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Gene Edwards' book, A Tale of Three Kings. Join the thousands who have been touched by this wonderful story of three kings from the Bible. It's especially helpful if you're experiencing pain or loss because of something someone did to you. Maybe you're in a clash with another Christian, or you've been damaged by a church split. Get a copy of A Tale of Three Kings today. I know you'll be encouraged. We appreciate the generosity of our listeners. It helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. Thank you for standing with us. Call 877-30-GRACE or visit calvaryaurora.org. Then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the Word of God. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Aurora. 